So um, I love words uh, and, and I love questions. Do any of you guys like questions? You just kind of get wrapped up in, in questions. Do you ever have like, uh, like you're taking a shower or something, you have those questions that just pop into your head and you're like, huh. So like, I don't know if that ever happens. Like uh, it happens to me. Um, so sure, it happens to you. Um, so I have questions. I have a questions. And, and here's a list of, of some of the questions I have. Uh, why does Tarzan not have a beard? Like, where did he get a razor? How did that work? And, and why do you press the remote buttons harder when you know the batteries are flat? You know you do. You know you do. Uh, why do banks charge a fee for insufficient funds? I mean, yeah, because they want more. Um, if actions are stronger than words, then why is the pen mightier than the sword? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Keep going. There's some more. Why is the word abbreviation so long? Why do noses run but feet smell? If a bicycler gets off his bike and then back on, is he recycling? Yes. I love this one. Like on your, on your keyboard, keypad, like why is, why is the caps lock button in lower case? I don't understand. This last one's just silliness. If olive oil comes from olives and vegetable oil comes from vegetables, where does baby oil come from? <laughs> I love questions. There are questions in, our, in life sometimes, like, like sometimes we think about like, wh what are the big questions of life? Uh, maybe like some of our students are, are looking at colleges or thinking about like, so where am I going to college or, or what's next for me? These are, these are some of the big questions of life. What are, what are some other big questions? What are, what are the big questions of life? Fill me in. Help me out. Will I get married? Or who? Yeah, who will I? Uh, there's a big question of will you marry me? That's actually a big question, right? Something else. What's a big question of life? Can you think of it? Shia, are you going to give me an answer? How many kids will you have? Dozens. What do you want to eat for lunch? Is that what you said? Like, why does no one know the answer to that question? I don't know. It's, it's super hard. So here's a, here's a list of some of life's big questions. What's the meaning of life? Have you heard this question? Uh, who am I? Could I be living in the matrix? Will you marry me? What is truth? Is there life after death? And then, of course, do aliens exist? I just taught the teen class. The answer is yes. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus adds one to the list. Maybe the most important question of all. I just want to walk through these few verses. We're going to begin in verse 13. But I want to walk through these, these few verses with you. Here's the scene. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now we need to pause there because I already know that I've lost some of you. It's important to note that, that like the, the, the environment of this question really sets the stage. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is really north of Galilee, which is really out of, of uh, Israelite um, territory, Caesarea Philippi uh, is a, 
Uh, it was named by Philip, and Philip wanted to pay homage to Caesar, so he called it Caesar, but he didn't want to give Caesar all the credit, so he included his name in it too. So it's Caesar's Philip's city, kind of, sort of. But before it was ever Caesar's Philip's city, it was the city of Pan. You guys, any, you know who Pan is? Not Peter Pan. There's another Pan. You see, Caesarea Philippi is this city of gods. It is considered the birthplace of, uh, there was a Greek god named Pan. He had the, the legs of a goat. He was a fawn. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are Percy Jackson. Okay, you know who I'm talking about. So, I know Garrett knows. Um, Pan is the, is the god of the wild. He's the god of, of nature and hunters. And, and he was supposedly, the god of Pan was supposedly born in the city of Pan. There, there's, in fact, a big cave in Caesarea Philippi. You can go there. You can find it today. And in that cave, in that wild place, is supposedly where this god Pan was born. But Caesarea Philippi wasn't just known for Pan. It was known for more than a dozen gods and goddesses. Over 14 temples in the city alone lined up, one God lined up right next to each other all through this line. Are you seeing this stage? And Jesus nuzzles it, really no reason to go to Caesarea Philippi, except to get shoulder to shoulder with all of these other gods. Are you with me? He lines up right next to them, and then he asks a question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Let's keep going. The next verse. Uh, the, his disciples answer him. And I love that in Scripture it says, well. They replied, well, well. Say so some, some people say that, that the Son of Man is John the Baptist. And some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or, or one of the other prophets. Now, you need to know, like, like these answers are are really awesome. Like these are these are like A plus answers. Like like the, these are really credible, good, fantastic answers. And even to have these names attributed to Jesus or to the Son of Man would would have been an incredible compliment. It would have been like saying, um, it, it would have been comparing Jesus to uh, George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Like, you know, these iconic, iconic characters. Like a Martin Luther King or a Gandhi or a Billy Graham. Rest in peace. And so the answers they give are really, really, and I know it's hard for us to picture this, but these are really good answers. Like, really good answers. Jeremiah was held in the highest esteem. So was Elijah. And Jesus moves on. And he says, okay. In verse 15, look what he says next. He says, all right, that's who people say I am. Who do you say I am? that's it. This is it. Like, this is the big one, the penultimate question. And everything centers on this one question. It's, it's the reason Matthew wrote his gospel. 
You see this, this thread of this question from, from beginning to end. And now the disciples, in, in chapter 16, Jesus faces them right with it. Okay, so, so who do you, almost points out, so who do you say that I am? You ever been just like called out on the spot? Like I wonder if that's how they felt. Like no doubt a moment of reflection and they knew Jesus, and they knew his rabbi, and so there, I'm sure there was a little bit like, okay, is this a trick question? Is there a nervous pause, desperate to get the answer right? Maybe they, you know, I can see like, let's huddle together. Can we phone a friend? Uh, I've, uh, my daughter's been playing basketball, fourth grade girls basketball. It's pretty impressive. We were at this game, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of these really like intense basketball games, well, for fourth grade girls. The score was like eight to six, something like that. But like still, like in all the games we'd been to, like you could tell like, like there was energy building in this game. Like it, it kept kind of going back and forth. It was super close. And, and, and and you could tell, like, the, even in the audience, we, we, everyone that was watching this game, all 12 of us, uh, we, were, we started to realize, like, like, there was energy building because we started to realize, hey, this thing is going to come down to, to the very end. Like, it's, it's going to come down. Like, the clock is ticking down. This, it's super close. This is, this is going to come down to the last shot. And sure enough, with one second left on the clock, I, I, I promise you, this is a true story. A team member of, on my daughter's team, not my daughter, but a team member on my daughter's team, she finds herself with the ball. And it wasn't like she was expecting it or looking for it. It was like one of these weird, you know, they're fourth grade girls. They don't always really want the ball, frankly, you know, like. <laughs> and she finds herself with the ball, and it's kind of like, huh. And with one second left, she does this shot, and she just throws it up. And the clock ticks down, and, and the buzzer sounds. And that's exactly what happens to Peter. Jesus, who do you say I am? And Peter throws up a hell Mary. Look in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Pause. Just imagine that ball is hanging in the air. All of the other disciples are going, oh, I hope he's right. <laughs> and let's, let's be frank. I don't, I don't want to be overly critical of of Peter, but let's face it, he gets it wrong more than he gets it right in Scripture. Uh, I, I'm again, I don't want to be too too critical and 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 all of that kind of stuff. But even in the next few verses, Jesus is going to refer to Peter as Satan. Okay, it's, this is an important question: Is Peter really the one you want taking this shot? Well, the ball hangs in the air everyone in nervous anticipation until verse 17. And Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you 
You did not learn this from any human being. He shoots and he scores, right? I wonder if he threw his hands up in the air. Uh, By the way, my daughter's basketball team, they won that game. And the crowd, all 12 of us, we went wild. It says, uh, <laughs> we know a little bit more about Peter. He needed some help. It says, Jesus says, I know heaven helped you with this answer. Heaven helped that shot to go in. But this one he makes, it goes in, and his answer couldn't have been any better. I want you to get this. Like, it's the most important question he has ever or will ever be asked. And he nails it. And if you read on in verse 18, he goes on to talk more about, you know, this is the moment that it starts. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, Petra. This It's a play on words. It means rock. Like, you're the rock, and upon this rock, I will build my, what's the word? It's really the only gospel that uses that word, and it's right at this space. It says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Amen? Man, like this moment, like Peter's answer is where it all begins. So I want to spend a few minutes just talking about this. And I, I know it's a simple story, maybe one you've read a dozen times. But that question that Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Like this, this is an incredibly important question. Matthew tells us that, that Herod is going to ask this question and he's going to have an answer The wise men that show up at Jesus' birth, they have an answer to who do you say that I am. Even the demons in Matthew's gospel, they have an answer of who Jesus is. And twice in Matthew's gospel, the heavens are going to part and the the Holy Spirit of God is going to speak. The Holy Spirit of God, even the heavens have an answer of who Jesus is. But he's not asking, and he's not asking because he doesn't know who he is. Like, I want you to see how incredibly personal this question is. He's asking if you know. It's a question for the individual, for every one of us. Like, every one of us must, at some point, we're going to, this question is coming for you, and you and you alone have to give your answer. It can't be based on what somebody else told you. Who do you say Jesus is? And I love Peter's response, clearly assisted by heaven. Peter says, the, uh, it says in the New Living Translation, sometimes it says Lord, sometimes it's translated Messiah. It, it's, it's you are the Christ, Christos. Uh, Christ and Messiah are basically the same words, one in Hebrew and one in Greek, and they mean the same thing. They mean anointed one. Peter says, you are the anointed one. Now, that's, that's weird for us because we don't really anoint people that often anymore. Um, I don't know if that's on your iCal, like hey, anointing today at 3.30. Like, no, I mean, we don't, we don't think about that. And, and, and who do you anoint and why do you anoint someone? Well, you anoint a king or a queen. Anointing is reserved for royalty. Do you have any, any of you watch the, is it the Netflix series, The Crown? Any of you guys like The Crown? 
uh, you got to check the crown out. The crown is the story of Queen Elizabeth. She was anointed as queen of England all the way back in 1953. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. She was anointed as royalty, as Lord. There's this phrase in the New Testament. It comes up a number of times. Alan Hirsch talks about this phrase as uh, he says it's a it's a simplex statement. Like it's it's so simple that everybody could get it, but it's so complex you could spend all of your time talking about it and thinking about it. It's it's just three words, and these three words maybe maybe encapsulate and summarize uh, Peter's answer, but also give each of us an answer. And the three words are Jesus is Lord. These, this is a, a theologically dense thing. Like this, these three words are just three words, but they have weight to them. Jesus is Lord, like Jesus is God, and God is Jesus. And there's this whole big thing associated with that. And yet, Jesus is Lord is something like, it's almost a slogan. It's a bumper sticker. You know, like anybody can say it. Anyone can, can spout these three words out. They can, uh, Alan Hirsch talks about, he, he says, I love that it's like a virus. Like these three words can be sneezed. And when it's sneezed on you, then you sneeze it on somebody else. I know it's gross, but that's how he talks about it. In these three words is everything. And it's important to note that like, like Peter does not say, Jesus is my homeboy. Have y'all seen that shirt? Uh, we used to sing this song when I was growing up. Um, and I grew up in the church and the church of Christ. And we used to sing this song. And one of the lines of the song was, Jesus is a friend is a friend next to you. You guys know this song? Man, I'm going to teach y'all some church of Christ songs. Jesus is a friend, is a friend next to you. And, and it kind of goes along this way. And, and I was thinking about that in relation to this. Like, like Peter doesn't say, Jesus is a, the son of man is a friend. Because, uh, yes, I mean, of course. But, like, we have to be super careful. Who do you say that I am? We need to be really incredibly careful about like, like thinking of Jesus as a homeboy or a friend, he, even though I know our culture and our, even in my lifetime, I've seen the Christian faith, be it's all about a relationship with Jesus, all about a relationship. And so we want this partner in Jesus that we can put our arms around. And, 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 and I just want to say, like, yes, that's, that's good and that's true. But, but by calling Jesus a friend, if we aren't careful, we could really end up kind of like diminishing and domesticating him. Think of it this way, like, like friends are nice guys who, who give us suggestions and advice, and, and we can pretty much take it or leave it without consequence, right? I want to caution us and warn us about diminishing the Son of Man to, uh, Alan Hurst talks about this idea of like diminishing the Son of Man to a religious God. A religious God who has no real relevance to speak into any area of our life, social or political or economic. You know, I love the answers that when he asks, who do people say that I am? I told you, like, these are really good answers. You're George Washington. You're Abraham Lincoln. You're Billy Graham. Like, these are amazing, awesome answers, but they are completely inadequate. Do you see that? 
like human categories or categorizations of Jesus will always be inadequate. I read this quote. It's It's attributed to Napoleon. I don't know if it's true or not. But supposedly Napoleon said, I know men and Jesus Christ is more than a This next statement may startle you. You know, Jesus never gives advice. Jesus never made a suggestion. In some ways, it's easier to live with a God who is a friend than a Lord. It's hard to live with the Lord. It is. We just sang the song, I surrender all. Right? I surrender 78%. Most of me. You see, lords, like, it's, it's hard to live with the Lord because lords don't make suggestions. They make commands. And they demand absolute loyalty Think of it in terms of like, I know, I know it's hard for us to imagine this. Like think in terms of like maybe some of you served in the military. Like, like can you imagine like a general or, or, or you're like command, your CO, your commanding officer. Can you imagine like a general or a commanding officer giving uh, suggestions to his troops? What if they took his words and, and looked at him as if, well, that's interesting advice. What would happen? Like, it's crazy to think that way. Like, soldiers don't just get to take it or leave it, right? Like, I I just want to challenge you. In, In thinking about those three words, Jesus is Lord, like, I really think, like, like we are in a weird place in Christianity and in, in our world and our culture. And, and maybe it has always been this way. But like we want to worship Jesus, but, but not re- really let him have lordship in our life. We want, we want to somehow, like we've separated this idea, like, like somehow we can believe in him, but we don't really have to follow him. And Jesus even addresses this. I mean, he addresses this in scripture. Jesus himself says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. And you know the answer. It's not that we don't understand who Jesus is. We just, frankly, we don't like it. Because Lord is like, if Jesus is Lord, that means he gets to call into question all that we take seriously. Like, like, and we don't necessarily want God to have his way in our life because God is ravishing and, and we're rebels. If I let God have true lordship over my life, over every decision I make, then he's going to completely undo me. He's going to challenge and demolish my idols, of which we have many. If I asked you this morning, just walking in, 
got you as soon as Tim opened the door for you. I just pulled you aside and said, you know, can you tell me who is Jesus? How would you have responded? Would you have told me about how much he loves us? Would you told me uh, that, oh man, he is such a good guy. He's, you should really look at some of his teachings. Would you tell me how he's been such a comfort to you, a friend to you? This morning, I just want to put that question before you, the, the same question that Jesus put before his disciples. Because really in Matthew, this is, this is the turning point. And, and it's, you, it's interesting to note that when Jesus asked this question of his disciples and of all people standing up against all of these other gods, he says, who do you say that I am? This is before he has told them anything about his death, his burial, or resurrection. Think about that. But it's only when they make that statement does he tell them about what is coming next. So I want to put that same question before you today. Who do you say that he is? And, and I want you to know, like, like, this is, of all of the big questions in life, this one is the biggest. It's the most important question you will ever answer. I love that uh, when people get baptized. So uh, we baptize in water by immersion. The word baptism actually means immersion to go under the water. And uh, everyone who's ever been baptized from, from the beginning has always been asked the same question. And that is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? And I've asked that question to, to dozens of people as I've baptized them. And I've never had anyone from the crowd answer. I've never had, baptizing a, a, a teenager, I've never had a parent go, yeah, he does. Do you see that? Like, like teenagers, I want you to know, like, this is your question. I, I would love to answer it for you, but I don't, I don't get to. The most important question you will ever face in life is not who you will marry or where you go to college. It will be, who do you say Jesus is? And it's an incredibly personal answer. And I want, I want you to think about it. it, it maybe it's a question that, that we need to be, get more familiar with. Because Scripture says, and I'm going to wrap this up in, in, in just a moment. In Philippians, in chapter 2, it tells us that there is a moment coming we don't, we don't get to know when it's going to happen or, or how, but there is a moment coming where it says every knee is going to bow. And heaven and earth, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to know the truth. And, and it's going to pour out of you whether you like it or not. But there's a moment coming where every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I just want, I, I want to I warn you and give you the gravity of this situation. Like if you proclaim Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, then your life is forfeit. If you proclaim Jesus is Lord, 
then your life is forfeit for his. But here's really, really good news. And his life is forfeit for yours. Jesus is still building his church. And it, it's not with, with better music or signage or lights, but it's built on every declaration, on every heart surrendered to him. It's built on us when we name him Lord of our life. At this time in our, in our service, we have a time of communion. We have the table set, spread out around this room with the elements. Man, I encourage you to engage in this space. Maybe as you take these elements, you, maybe you need to re, reacquaint yourself with the question, who is Jesus? Remember the gravity of your response it's a great place to come because no doubt when you accept the lordship of Jesus over your life, like, like your life is going to change and change dramatically. I had a, I had a friend tell me this week that, uh, that he was hit by a Mack truck. I didn't believe it. You know why? Because he looked exactly the same. You know that people hit by Mack trucks, they aren't going to look the same anymore. You know that, right? You get that? That was a horrible example. Man, so gruesome. But it's true for us. Like, if Jesus is Lord, you're going to, like, your, the whole shape of your life and existence is going to look different. And maybe this week you've clinged a little, tried to do both, like hold on to your idols and still say, yeah, sure, I believe. Man, the table is a great place to release all of that, to let all of that go, to ask for forgiveness, which he freely gives and give yourself completely to him again. As always, like if there's ways that we can pray for you or serve you, maybe today you're ready to make that declaration that countless Christians throughout the generations have made and name Jesus the Lord and Lord of your life and, and do that in baptism, then we're here to help you. We have everything you need. There's no reason for you not to, to declare him Lord of your life in this moment. If you're a teenager or, or a young adult here, there is nothing your parents will ever want to hear come out of your lips more than the phrase, Jesus is Lord. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And today could be your day. So let's say a prayer. If you, uh, God's called you to respond, I'll, I'll just move to the back. The rest, I'll dismiss you to a time of communion. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and for its power. And, oh, there's, there's weight and importance in these words. And Father God, don't, don't let any idle words cross our lips. Father God, on every heart right now, through the power of your spirit, I just, I just ask that, that you would confront us with the question of who is Jesus? And, and, and God, frankly, if there's, if there's those of us in this space who Jesus is not Lord of our life, then, then reveal who really is the Lord of our life. Show us the truth. Father God, I, I ask that you just be with us now. Forgive us and draw us to you. 
God, I know what you would want for us. Let the truth of your word permeate in the deep places of our heart. Use us to establish and to, to build your church. Our hearts know the truth, Father God. Let us, yeah, let us proclaim your lordship here and now. Father God, we love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says,